0: Please can you remind me if you if you'll be so kind?
1: Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. Today we are going to have a fascinating conversation about a research study that you can actually help analyze the data. Whoever would have thought us as individuals could participate and help push research forward. So I'm going to introduce our, our panel of guests today. Uh, The first person I want to introduce, I refer to him as the big kahuna, uh, because he is really the guy orchestrating all of this, and his name is Pietro McLucci, and he is a cognitive scientist who directs the Human Computation Institute, which is a research center that develops crowd-powered systems to tackle big social problems, and my gosh, you don't get much bigger of a problem than Alzheimer's and dementia in the world today. In 2015, he launched the Eyes on Alls, which is a citizen science project to accelerate Alzheimer's disease research with an online game called Stall Catchers, which we're gonna learn a lot more about today. And this game allows anyone to participate directly in the search for a treatment. So welcome today, Pietro. How are you doing?
2: Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing great. The, the coffee's starting to, to absorb in. So, um, and thanks for, for the, the kind and grandiose introduction. I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life trying to live up to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, just don't revert to the paddle cars like the Flintstones for the big for that. <laughs> You're pushing things forward. So thank you so much. Um, next, I'm going to go ahead and introduce Chris Schaefer, um, his colleague also Nizomi Nishimura. They are both associate professors at the uh, Minding School of Biomedical Engineering at Cornell University, and they run the Schaefer Nishimura Lab, so it's collaborative between the two of them, and the lab has developed new imaging techniques that allow them to see blood flow in the brains of mice, which led to a discovery of stalls, which is how the whole stall catcher's game was created. And by another unanticipated discovery, they were also able to show that by removing these stalls, improved the memory and reduced um, other Alzheimer's symptoms in mice. So how fascinating. Welcome, Chris, how are you doing today?
3: Very good. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, we're excited to, to uh, talk with you and uh, Nazumi in terms of your research. It sounds absolutely fascinating. So thanks for taking the time to join us. Um, next, I want to introduce you to uh, Judy Johansson. Judy and her family are actively involved in advocacy for Alzheimer's awareness and support the Eyes on All's project. And they do this because they really believe in empowering caregivers and people living with the disease so that they can directly fight Alzheimer's through research. Judy um, was her husband Steve's caregiver for over six years until he passed away from early onset Alzheimer's disease in 2018. Steve's dedication to research and Judy's passion to see Alzheimer's eradicated in her lifetime has led her to a new position as clinical research ambassador for the Massachusetts Alzheimer's Disease Research Center, known as the MADRC. In this role, Judy is able to offer information about ongoing um, clinical and observational trials that are available to people.
0: So welcome, Judy. Thank you. It's great to be here amongst friends and people who share uh, my passion in this cause to end Alzheimer's and other dementias.
1: Yeah, my my mom had dementia for 30 years, so I totally, totally get it. And um, it made me change careers and, and continue to walk this path. So, So thanks so much for joining us today. Last, I want to introduce Harry Urban. Harry has been living with dementia for 15 years, and he is known around the world as a change advocate. Harry is the founder of a support group called Forget Me Not, and he has a blog called My Thoughts on Dementia, which are quite profound. He's very open about his life as as a whole. And he also is a collaborator. He is an ambassador for the Italian group called Sentimenta, which is really a big awareness and dementia-friendly group over there. Harry is a voice that truly, truly inspires all. So welcome, Harry. How are you today?
4: I am fine. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing sitting here with all these distinguished guests? (laughs) (laughs) I, I am so glad to be here. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, your voice will be important in all this, Harry. So thank you for taking <laughs> taking the time to be with us. Really do appreciate it. I want to kick off the first question to Pietro. And if you don't mind just telling us what the heck is Stallcatchers Catchers? And, <laughs> and how did you come up with it?
2: So um, <clears throat> Stall Catchers is a game uh, that anyone can play online that helps speed up the Alzheimer's research that Chris and Nozomi are doing at Cornell University. So that's the nutshell version. So a few years ago... Um, I was doing research on how to build systems that combine human intelligence and machine intelligence, um, where you have lots of humans and lots of machines working together to try to solve big problems. And I got to a point in that research where I felt like um, I wanted to apply those techniques and methods to a real world problem. And I was very fortunate because a mutual colleague uh, introduced me to Chris Schaefer, uh, you know, who, who who's doing the Alzheimer's uh, research, and we had a very interesting conversation. And um, one of the things that um, uh, caught my attention right away, uh, apart from the fact that he was working on one of the biggest problems we face today is that his approach uh, seemed unconventional. And that kind of thing always piques my interest. Um, I've taken sort of unconventional paths, and I appreciate that they can lead to very interesting places. And I think in science, sometimes lead to our greatest discoveries. So we've known about Alzheimer's disease for over 100 years, I think, and, uh, and we're still trying to find a treatment. To me, that says, maybe we're not barking up all the right trees. And when I met Chris and he started to explain this new way of looking into this the disease i realized wow this is different than anything i've ever heard before this isn't really focused on the amyloid plaques and and some of the, the and and tau tangles and that kind of thing it's focused on this whole new window into the disease related to blood flow that i'm sure chris will tell you about so i got very very Uh, Excited, particularly when he started to explain some of the discoveries and results they had. And then I saw how their discoveries. Interacted with the other research that's going on, so it wasn't a whole separate thing on its own in isolation, but it was complementary to all the other research. It was like it was the missing piece of the puzzle, and that's where I got really, really excited. And so, so then I, um, you know, I, I, I asked Chris. I said, "Well, it sounds like you're making great progress. You know, uh, what, you know, why are we talking at all?" And he said, "Well, you know, we have this one problem." Uh, which is that because of the special way that we collect data and the amount of data that it generates to answer these research questions, it can take us uh, six months or even a year in the laboratory to analyze all the data just to answer one question. And so uh, once I saw the kind of analysis they were doing, I realized that um, there was a real opportunity here to apply crowd-powered systems to solving that. I looked at the kind of analysis that they were doing, and it reminded me of another crowd-powered system, one of the first ones that, uh, that I ever was exposed to from 2006, uh, that was to analyze data from a NASA uh, space mission. Uh, it's called Stardust at Home and um, And in that game, they used a virtual microscope so that everyone all the thirty thousand players who were playing online could look for dust particles that was trapped in this aerogel brought back to earth and and I realized that we could do something similar um, to help analyze uh, chris and nazomi 's data and, and and that was uh, that was very encouraging right away to realize that that we had kind of a, a proof of concept in this other Online game. Uh, and then I went to the creator of that online game and, um, and explained what we were trying to do. Uh, his name is Andrew Westfall at Berkeley. And, um, and he said, uh, uh, You know, I'll, uh, I often get asked about putting other kinds of data into this system, he said, and, and usually the answer is it just won't work. He said, But in this case, what you're saying really makes good sense. Uh, and by the way, um, you know, I have a personal connection uh, to the disease I lost, a parent to Alzheimer's, and I really want to help you do this. So I'm going to personally help you make this happen. And our first prototype system was taking Chris and Nozomi's data and literally putting it into Stardust at Home, and it worked. So uh, there was a lot more work to do, but, but that's, how the, that's how our prototype system got underway.
1: Wow, again another connection, another person committed to the cause and you know what, what are the odds but I I just I I'm such a firm believer in aligning you know you just align with the right people at the right time with this kind of stuff and um it's just it's it's fascinating and it's it's so powerful. Um Chris, can you tell us a little bit more about What important Alzheimer's discoveries you've you've already made at Cornell? And again, tell us maybe in a little bit more in depth why it's taking so long to do this research. So
3: um, we're trying to understand uh, a particular symptom of Alzheimer's disease, namely that patients with Alzheimer's disease have about a 30% reduction in the blood flow that goes to their brain. We didn't discover this. People have known for decades that blood flow is reduced that much but the mechanism has been unclear. And if you don't know what causes that reduction in blood flow, it's hard to know how to treat it or um, or, or how to move forward with a therapy. Uh, a 30% reduction in blood flow is a big deal. You know, when you're laying down and you stand up too quick and kind of feel busy for a second, that's about a 30% reduction in blood flow to your brain. In that case, just for a couple of seconds until arteries in your neck dilate to to get more blood into the so it's, it's likely that that blood flow reduction contributes to the memory problems in the disease, and that even though what we're talking about here is not trying to do something that would ever cure Alzheimer's disease, because it's not trying to stop the, the underlying pathogenic mechanism, it's trying to treat a downstream symptom. But nonetheless, treating that downstream symptom could be something that, that lessens the cognitive impact, potentially, if we were able to understand what causes the blood flow deficit and develop effective ways to treat it. So about 10 years ago, Nozomi and I decided to, to take on this problem and try to understand what it is that causes this reduced brain blood flow in Alzheimer's disease. Um, our studies are all in mice that have been genetically engineered to get something that looks like the, the early onset form of, of the disease. So we, uh, we basically took some imaging tools that, that our lab had, had developed and worked on and uh, looked into the brain of these Alzheimer's disease mice and asked a very open-ended question, uh, just where is blood flow messed up? Um, and what we found um, uh, when, we, when we compared the Alzheimer's and non-Alzheimer's disease mice, we didn't find any notable differences in the sort of bigger arterioles and venules and arteries and veins in the brain. And that's consistent with previous studies that also did not identify, you know, a mechanism for reduced blood flow in Alzheimer's disease in, in those larger vessels. When we looked at the smallest blood vessels of the brain, though, individual brain capillaries, what we found was that in the Alzheimer's disease mice, there were about 2% of the capillaries that were, were not flowing, or, or we called them stalled. While in Alzheimer's disease mice, uh, almost all of the vessels are flowing all the time. Now, I know you're thinking, like, if only 2% of vessels are stalled, that means 98% are still okay, so I should be fine, right? But it, it turns out that um, that depends on how the, vas- the blood vessels are, are connected up to each other. Because remember, if 2% are stalled, then the 4% of vessels that are immediately downstream from those have just lost their source of blood flow. So they're going to be flowing extremely slowly. Another 8% downstream from that might be impacted a little bit. Um, so anyway, but based on sort of how things are, are plumbed in the, the how the vascular network in the brain is plumbed, Nizomi and I kind of made a quick estimate. Uh, how much do we expect blood flow to decrease if two percent of vessels are plugged, and we actually got a number that was thirty percent, which is almost exactly the blood flow deficit that both mice and and uh, and humans with alzheimer 's disease show It turned out that these stalled capillaries were caused by white blood cells that were stuck to the to the inside of the capillary segment. Uh, we serendipitously discovered a uh, an antibody that we could give that would cause that. Uh, white blood cell stickiness to go away. So the, the vessels that were plugged and not flowing would start to flow again. Um, when that happened, blood flow in the brain overall increased by about 30%. And then associated with that increase in blood flow, there was a very rapid improvement um, in the mice uh, on their performance and sort of like literally little rat maze tasks, little spatial and working memory tasks. Uh, So this suggests, uh, you know, a couple of things. One, at least in these mice, we've figured out what causes reduced brain blood flow. And we've also shown that in these mice, improving brain blood flow is enough to improve cognitive function. The reason this work takes so long, though, is it turns out that that process of identifying which capillaries are flowing and which are stalled, although we've tried very hard to build automated uh, computer algorithms to make that determination, they're just not as sensitive and specific. They're just not as accurate um, as what humans are able to do. So this is a kind of a pattern recognition problem. It's exactly the kind of thing that people are just really good at. PH um, Pro can teach someone how to do this task in five minutes. Um, and we spent years trying to develop an algorithm for it. The reason, though, that's the, the primary bottleneck is it, it just we have to look one capillary at a time. And in the in a, a big paper that we just published on this um on, on this topic, we had over a hundred thousand capillaries in the study that had been manually scored as flowing or stalled. And that was the thing that took uh probably the most time in that, that study. Just to give you a perspective, um uh, a professional scientist in my lab would take about forty hours of um of tank- tanking work sitting right in front of a, a computer uh looking at capillaries in order to analyze data that only took one hour to acquire. So with stall catchers, what we're able to do is to recruit um, thousands of citizen scientists around the world to help us with that data analysis step so that the professional scientists in my lab can spend those other 39 hours that week going back and collecting more data and enabling us to tackle a a broader degree of of sort of follow-on questions to what we've discovered now uh, and to make uh, more rapid progress on.
1: Wow, that that's amazing, and it's just it's so exciting to think of how much time we can push forward. You know, to get to this disease, and then you you've kind of figured out uh, the Dureno for our for our blood vessels to to uh, push forward, which is wonderful. I we had just read um, highlighted an article. I can't even remember you know the specifics of it, but I did. They were saying, you know, that people were pushing away from the amyloid plaque theory and that, you know, we really needed to look at some, some other things there. So kudos to you for your work. So, Chris, can you tell us what research question you hope um, will be answered by the Megathon?
3: Yeah, sure. So um, we, uh, as you can imagine, on this initial finding, we have a broad variety of different research questions we're going after. We're trying to understand the upstream molecular mechanisms that lead to increases in capillary stalling to try to identify really good drug targets. Uh, We're trying to screen already uh, FDA-approved drugs that, based on how they work, we think they might be effective at at blocking this this process with the goal of initiating a, a clinical trial in humans to assess if the same mechanisms that we've identified in mice contribute to Reduce brain blood flow um, in, uh, in patients. But the other thing we're trying to do is, is trying to see if this capillary stalling phenomenon we've identified could be the missing link that connects um, cardiovascular risk factors to increased severity and risk for developing dementia. So the, the dominant risk factors that, that we know about um, that, that contribute to increased risk and severity of Alzheimer's disease are things like high blood pressure, and high cholesterol, and obesity, and diabetes, and things like that. And the mechanism by which having those cardiovascular problems leads to increased severity and risk of dementia remains unknown. But one possibility, all of those things tend to drive increased vascular inflammation. And the reason that white blood cells are sticking in the capillaries of the Alzheimer disease mice is because of inflammation in those blood vessels. So one possibility in the, the, the the hypothesis that we're testing is that um when you have uh high blood pressure or high cholesterol that drives more vascular inflammation which gives you more of those capillary stalls and then that together with the alzheimer disease pathology also causing capillary stalls leads to even more severe reductions in blood flow and as a result even more severe cognitive problems. so to test this um about uh Six months ago, we had a, 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 a student from Germany who was staying in the lab for about six months. And he did a series of experiments where we took Alzheimer's disease, the non-Alzheimer disease mice, and we gave them a drug that gave them high blood pressure. And then we, we took data on, we took this image data to study, um, you know, how many capillaries are stalled, what's the blood flow speed in their brain. Um, and then we tested this antibody that we had uh, sort of serendipitously identified. It gets rid of the capillary stalls to see if that would uh, get rid of any additional stalls that were caused by the, the hypertension. So we're sitting on this big uh, pile of data. Um, we don't know the answer yet. My hypothesis is that in the Alzheimer's disease mice that have hypertension, we'll see an even higher number of stalled capillaries, and that when we give a drug that um, interferes with the binding of white blood cells, that we're going to be able to res- eliminate even those extra numbers of stalled capillaries and restore blood flow. Um, the reason this work could be important, um, you know, if this same mechanism turns out to be true in humans, you're going to want to try to identify, and we identify a, a therapeutic strategy to go after it. Uh, you're going to want to know who you should give this to. It's unlikely that you're going to want to wait until somebody is showing signs of cognitive decline Before you start treating the symptom, this is an early feature of Alzheimer's disease. So, you probably want to treat it very early. So, if we knew, for example, that people who had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or or other cardiovascular risk factors had an increased number of these capillary stalls and they were similar in mechanism to the ones that we see in Alzheimer's disease, then this would be a way to identify patients who would prophylactically go on some of these therapies to try to decrease the likelihood that they would. Um, uh, that that those uh, extra risk factors would uh, c- continue to contribute to increased risk and severity of Alzheimer's. So the big question is: Does high blood pressure make brain blood flow problems in Alzheimer's disease worse by increasing the number of capillary stalls? And uh, I'm super excited to to know the answer. Um, I've been telling people about this data set and about. Uh, what we hope to, to answer from it for months, and it'll be a huge relief to finally uh, uh, find out whether we're, we're right or not.
1: Wow, that's exciting. I would think people with vascular dementia especially would be really interested in in all of this, and they just think of how many people there are out there, along with the whole high blood pressure and cholesterol and, and things, so um, exciting times and only a couple weeks away, so that is uh, that is very neat. Well, thank you for taking time with us, Chris. I, I believe you have to get running. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's correct. But I really appreciate you taking the time to... To, to chat with us and to and to spread the word about this work and about salt country. Thank you.
1: Okay, thank you. Pedro, we'll go back to you now. And um, if you can just tell us a little bit about how much uh, research has already been done. They've kind of highlighted that a little bit. But if you want to go over that, again, that would be helpful.
2: Sure. So today we're analyzing uh, data five times faster uh, with stall catchers than in the Schaefer Nishimura lab, and this allows them to to now answer a question uh, in only one or two months instead of six months or a year. So um, uh, having this this faster analysis speed means not only that they can um, start to get through these piles of data they've had accumulating and answer these research questions they've been wondering about, but it also means uh, that they can ask questions they otherwise wouldn't have had the luxury to ask. Uh, and as we continue to improve the speed of stall catchers, uh, it can really open up more avenues for for greater exploration and quicker quicker answers uh, to those questions. So, with thousands of people um, registered on stall catchers, you might wonder why are you only going five times faster uh, than the lab? And um, this is a, a a feature of of wisdom of the crowds. So when when someone is playing the stall catcher's game, they're analyzing a, a blood vessel and trying to decide if blood is flowing through it or if or if it's stalled. In other words, if if it's stuck. And uh, and and you know, with a little practice, uh, people get the hang of it pretty quickly. Although I have to admit, um, uh, I'm not very good at it myself. Um, so it's it's better that I'm working on on this end of things. But we don't trust any one person to give us the right answer. We'll show the same vessel to several people, and then we'll combine the answers of those several people. And that's what we call wisdom of the crowds. Uh, there's this old um, game uh, at the state fair. I don't know if they still do it, but but people would show up and, and, and try to guess a person's weight. And the person who came closest would get the prize. And one of the f- things they found is that um, – when they recorded all the people's answers and then took the average answer, that average was reliably better than any one person's answer over time. And so we do something similar to that with stall catchers. We combine answers for many people uh, to come up with one expert-like answer. So it has two benefits. One is, is we can get answers as good at, or better actually than the experts in the lab. and And secondly, that there's not so much pressure on any one person to get it right. In fact, people are expected to make mistakes in stall catchers. Uh, It doesn't hurt the research at all because we have special methods that will ensure we collect enough information uh, to get it right. Um, So, so far, uh, we spent the first year of the project Uh, validating the system. We had to make sure the data quality met the stringent requirements of the lab um, because uh, wisdom of the crowd's approaches to biomedical data analysis is is kind of new. And there's some skepticism in the field, uh, which which I think is appropriate, about how can we trust uh, members of the general public to give us uh, research quality data? And, um, and so it's not enough to say, well, we have good wisdom of crowd methods. We actually have to, to prove it. So we spent the first year doing that and, and, and now we have our wings and, um, and we've analyzed a few data sets already related to what Chris describes as the upstream molecular mechanisms that lead to stalls. So I'm not the biomedical person. I just play one on TV. Um, but, um, uh, uh my understanding is that, um, the the safest intervention for a human-based treatment might involve not suppressing part of the immune system as they did with the mice, but doing something upstream that doesn't in any way disrupt the immune system. It just targets the thing that leads to the stalls in the first place. And so each data set that we've analyzed so far has in one way or another been related to identifying that.
1: Wonderful. Well, that that is fantastic. Now, as people play the game, Um, on the Megathon, my understanding is you're going to actually show the kind of numbers and what is happening at that time.
2: Yeah, exactly. So you can play stall catchers anytime, and people do all the time. But but we do run these events, which are these very focused, kind of concentrated, uh, one-hour competitions, if you will. Uh, Some people treat it competitively more than others. But the idea is everyone's playing at once, and this is going to be the biggest one we've ever done. We're trying to recruit 100,000 people to play at the same time. We've had to move our platform onto Microsoft servers so that we can accommodate 100,000 people. And, and so uh, during the, the Megathon, we have a very ambitious goal. Um, it's unprecedented for our project, which is we want to analyze um, an entire data set. That's a, a six months to a year's worth of data in one hour unprecedented um and um and so um you know there's a lot of scaling we've had to do to prepare for this and over the course of that one hour period um we're going to have um uh some statistics we're actually going to have kind of a leaderboard uh that's going to show uh there there you can play on a team or you can play individually um and we'll have a live leaderboard um And one of the things on this leaderboard is a progress bar that shows how far we've gotten through the data set. So we want that bar to go all the way over by the end of that one hour period of time. And at the end of that hour, Chris is going to be on hand, uh, and we're going to actually show the research results in real time at the end of that that one hour, and he's going to interpret the results for us. So this is taking you know, a year's worth of research and compressing it into one hour all the way up to what's the answer to the research question and what are the implications now for finding a treatment and the future of Alzheimer's research.
1: Wow. I was guess I can say is wow. I mean this is just really really exciting. Now, Judy, I want to, I want to pull you in. You've got to be really excited about this and you've been working with these guys for a while. What are some of your thoughts about per, getting people to participate in in the stall catchers Megathon?
0: Yeah, i I mean I'm so excited and every time I hear Pietro talk my pulse raises, you know, because with this disease, there's such a lack of hope and such a lack of tangible things you can do. And while there's clinical trials and observational trials and stuff, not everybody has access to that. And not everybody throughout a whole family, like I was able to accompany my husband to clinical trials, but my kids and my grandchildren couldn't. This is something that they can do, and we can take an active role in this. And this, I think, at this, um, time in history and also to know that we're coming together as a universe to create a problem that is so personally touching so many it's like you know we are one family uh, especially united through alzheimer's and dementias and um it's where we don't show any preference to you know it affects everybody and i think to have this opportunity to invite people into taking a stronghold in their own hands and make a difference is really a powerful thing. Um, So I'll be inviting my community via social media. Um, We'll have some people to our house, but, you know, doesn't, that's the beauty of this. People can do it from wherever they are. They can do it on their phone if they're on their way to uh, an event or they can have people to their own living room. They can do it in their library. Um, It's just, it's very, it can meet you wherever you are, and um, it's very, very empowering to uh, be able to feel like you might be able to have a little um, piece of input in this trajectory. And just to know that somebody brilliant like Pietro and Chris and uh, are, are working to put this all together, our part's the easy part, you know. All you have to do is show up and just, you know, Use your eyes and a little bit of thought, um, and then hope that uh, this will make a big difference. You know, Steve's mother um, has Alzheimer's, and actually, uh, is she's had it for 13 years, and lays in a bed and doesn't even know she's lost a son. I lost the most important person in my life, and I don't want this to be a family tradition. I don't want my beautiful children and grandchildren to have to walk this same path. So, I'm so grateful you know, to Pietro and Chris and and the universe who's willing to pitch in to help my family not have to face this more in the future.
1: That is so true. I mean, we need to, we need to be able to stop this. Harry, I want to get your thoughts on this. And, uh, you know, you're hearing about this, you know, really for the first time.
4: I wish I was a mouse. Because if I was a mouse, I think I'd be cured by now. <laughs> what what I'm hearing is 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 amazing to me. Your research is for a cure. My research is for finding ways to live a healthy, happy life with this disease. And when when I was first diagnosed, I was I was really enthused about the research, but 15 years later, we're still we're still learning. I mean, that is why it is so complicated. But I am in January. I was diagnosed 15 years ago with Alzheimer's. Now, my cognitive testing proves I wasn't misdiagnosed. But I have found ways to live with it. And the research they show is is things like if you control your blood pressure, uh, if you do this, you do that. That helps. And in the group of people that I'm associated with, we try to get people from the very get go that they get diagnosed at the earliest stages. We try to teach them to control your blood pressure, control your weight, uh, control your social, keep social active. You know things like that, and um, I'm I'm so excited that because I think I think our groups are coming together, and I think I think we're starting to learn more about this disease, and it it, it does my heart good because I see so many people struggling. With With this disease.
1: Carrie, I just wanted to ask a question. So, with this stall catchers game, with the megathon that they're doing, are you comfortable sharing this with your sentimental group and then your memory cafes in? in Pennsylvania to see if people want to join? Do you think this is something that, that would be appealing to them? Absolutely. Well, thanks, Harriet. I'm going to go back to Judy here for just a second. So, Judy, you're going to help raise awareness. You're going to you know, pull in your families and your community and in your sphere in general. Can you tell us different ways that people are going to do
0: the Stall Catchers event? Sure. I mean, one thing we've done in the past is when we hold this big um, – fundraising event for the alzheimer's association we've incorporated stall catches into it as an activity that people can do all day so you you know i literally invited the town to our street and we had kiosks and very great teachers at that point i thought this was at the very beginning it was like we need pietro here to explain and just timing worked out perfectly that he did but they provide you. They can provide you with incredible material. So if you are hosting it at your library, you can request posters that explain um, the process, has uh, materials you can share. Um, mine, especially because um, we are coming up on Steve's one-year anniversary on April 2nd, this is a very kind of a visceral family thing. This is a very hands-on way that we can say, mm, you didn't get us. You didn't do us in. And um, you know, uh, Steve was the type of person who didn't live for himself. He he would rather his arm be sore from extending it further to help someone than, you know, be limp from not helping. And, um, you know, uh, what we think about this whole effort uh, brings in an Edward Markham quote to mind that, that says, uh, there is a destiny that makes us brothers None of us goes his way alone, and all that we send into the life of others comes back into our own. And while this might feel like you're doing something for someone else, I think once you get involved in Stall Catchers and any of this uh, Eyes on Owls um, initiative, you'll realize you're getting back tenfold of the, the little bit of effort you put into it. And it's, um, like Harry said, it's just better to do something than nothing. So this is what we can do. I so agree. I so agree. And I love that quote. It's a beautiful, beautiful
1: quote. Um, And I think this is going to be so empowering to people. Plus, it's going to be, Raising awareness now, Pietro. Can you tell us? I know that you've got certain groups already set up. Can you explain to us the different types
2: of groups? Sure. Um, and and I also I just want to uh, express my appreciation for for both Harry's and, and Judy's comments. Um, I think um, you know one thing that really resonates for me is is you know uh, Judy's comments about how um, you know up until now uh, there are basically two ways that someone can contribute. To trying to find a treatment or cure for alzheimer 's one is 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 donating to to research uh, and the other is enrolling in a clinical trial so um Um, you know, now we have this third way, which involves playing a game. And I also wanted to clarify because Chris uh, mentioned citizen scientists, this is a, a term that comes up. And I wouldn't want anyone to feel that you need to have some kind of a credential to be a citizen scientist. A citizen scientist is simply anyone who chooses to go online and play this game. As soon as you go on and you start playing the game, you are de facto, a citizen who is Participating in the scientific process, so I, I did want to clarify that. And the other thing uh, that that really resonated with me about uh, what Harry said is this idea that you know what works for you might not work for me, and vice versa. So, um, so you know, we're, one way we're trying to to sort of accommodate individuality in the game is um, it's actually designed to respond to cognitive fluctuations. So, um, I mean, I think everybody fluctua- has cognitive fluctuations throughout the day. And if you have Alzheimer's, you might experience the sun with the cognitive decline in the afternoon. And you can play the game and it sort of tracks where you are and it adjusts how it interprets your answers based on where you are. So, so there's really, uh, um, I guess to me, it's heartening that, 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 Someone who, who has a diagnosis can do something today that could contribute to finding a treatment um, possibly in lives. So I'm, I'm gratified that that, that can, can exist uh, with stall catchers. And, um, and so getting back to your original question about menus and participants, we, um, we've historically done um, international events. And uh, we call them the International Ketchathon, and we've done it uh, annually. Uh, and we've had participation from all six continents, um, and it's been a lot of fun. And and uh, and we have a live stream, so we we jump in and we'll 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 go to each individual meetup and we'll say hello and we'll see um, you know the Nigerians, then we'll see the Austrians, and then we'll see uh, you know the Swiss people who are playing. And everybody says hello, and we do this all on the Facebook live stream. Uh, we 're going to do that again for this megathon, but this one is a little more u s centric because we we 're doing it in partnership uh, with the public library system. Many of these libraries are are providing a venue uh, so people can go and and meet up there and and participate in the megathon you don 't need to do it from a library. Uh, schools are involved alzheimer's organizations are involved some people will get together at a cafe some people will will go to the library some people will play from home individually and we give a capability online so anyone can create a team and invite other people to join their team so you can actually create a uh, you know a team for your your local classroom or your your local alzheimer's chapter uh, that kind of thing and then you can be on the team leaderboard and 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 participate in that way. So there are lots of ways uh, to participate. And, and when you sign up for the Megathon, we send information that helps people step by step. Okay, if you want to participate this way, this is what you do. If you want to participate this way, this is what you do. And it, it kind of walks you through it. Uh, and we're always standing by and happy to get emails and answer them for people who want to participate. But to be honest, the easiest is catchers.com. You sign up, um, you'll go through a little tutorial. It'll kind of hold your hand through the process of learning how to play the game and you start playing and then just show up on Saturday, April 13th uh, at, at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time or 10.30 a.m. Pacific time and, and start playing, and, um, and we'll give you a link so you can watch the live stream and, and hear the commentary and see everyone else who's playing.
4: Question I have, we, um, we keep talking about Alzheimer's, but anybody with any form of dementia can play this game. Like if you have vascular, uh, MTD, or Lewy bodies, you can still participate in this study. So stall
2: catchers uh, is not studying the people who are playing it. Um so whether you have a form of dementia or not, you're you're welcome and invited to play stall catchers uh and participate in the megathon, of course. Um we've had uh players as young as six or seven or eight years old, um many of whom are better than their parents who play the game or their grandparents who play the game. Um we, uh, we had one of our so-called super catchers. So our community uh, has self-described uh, them, themselves as catchers, and uh, our most um, active users are super catchers. So um, one of these was the, uh, a woman in her uh, mid-80s whose goal was to always be in the top 20 on the leaderboard, and, uh, and she achieved that goal um, every single day. Um, and then one day, uh, we noticed she wasn't, um, she wasn't playing and, and we got concerned. And then, uh, a couple of days later, we received an email from her saying that she, uh, she had fallen and had an injury. And her doctor said that she wouldn't be able to play, um, uh, for at least a month. Uh, and she, she wanted to apologize <laughs> to us and let us know that she was out of commission for a month. And wow. Uh, uh, you know, we sure felt uh um you know humbled by that and and we reached back out to her and 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 expressed our gratitude for all of her her contributions but but it just goes to show you that that um it doesn't matter how young or how old you are you can make a huge contribution uh, in the game if if you 're dedicated to doing that,
1: I had another question regarding playing alone or playing as a team uh, as a team are they uh, is the goal to see how much they 're getting done together, or are people competing against one another within that team? Um, is there any variables that they see
2: regarding that well you know it 's funny because um, you know as humans we've we 've evolved to to be both cooperative and competitive. Um, It's kind of like the two things that make us succeed uh, as a species is is that we combine these things in interesting ways. And I think stall catchers um, is is a microcosm of that because um, you can compete as individuals within your team. You can see, uh, so you have a, a team page that shows your score compared to all your teammates. So you can have a rivalry with someone on your team. But we also have a team leaderboard that shows your team's score compared to other team's score. So you can cooperate as a team to beat the other teams. But in the end, if everyone's competing vigorously, we're all cooperating to do the alzheimer's research
1: so, so bottom line it's the greater good outcome and um depending on you know what what pushes your button you can look at the different leaderboards on what you're doing <laughs> so well that's that's exciting and again this this will happen the megathon is going to happen april 13th starting at 1:30 eastern time so that's uh 12.30 central time, 11.30 if you're mountain time, and then 10.30 pacific time, and I know I've personally talked with people around the world that were interested in participating, and that's allowed as well, though you said primarily you're focusing on, on the U.S., but everyone is welcome to to participate. And, and a quick
2: update on, on that, if I may, quickly, is... Um, it sounds like the international community caught wind of our megathon, and, and they're starting to chime in and, and contact me and say, Hey, we're, you know, so the, the captain of the, the, the Nigerian team that takes, you know, that's in the top three each year said, we're going to do it big. We're going to, we're going to get teams all over Nigeria involved. And I heard the same thing from Austria. So, you know, we thought it was going to be a US focused event but but it looks like we're going to have a lot of international participation as well.
1: Well, wonderful. Well, that's great. People can go to stallcatchers.com and sign up and there you have great little videos that that talk about the stallcatchers game and I think there they can also print out if they're an individual or if they're going to do a group, I believe those PDFs are there. Um and if they have any Questions that they want to email you, they can go to info at eyes on A-L-Z, That's with an s. Uh, eyes on A-L-Z.com. And then again for the event on April thirteenth is um, megathon And please spread the word of this. This is this is going to be really cool, and it's going to be really exciting to see what the results are and you know Pietro, when I talked with you originally I I was right there with um with what Judy was saying about it will give people hope and it'll give people a purpose that, that they can contribute where it doesn't have to cost money um it's just taking a, a little bit of time that's going to make a huge difference when you when you put those hours together it's a it's fascinating that you guys were able to do this and I I can't wait to see See the outcome with this. So um, in wrapping up, I'm just going to ask Judy if you had any last comments.
0: Imagine the, um, you know, whether you're playing alone or playing with a team to the image of 100,000 people standing shoulder to shoulder virtually in this cause. It's just... Powerful. It's incredibly powerful, what people can do. People are good instinctively, and when we come together, we're even better. Agree. Harry,
1: how about you? Any comments?
4: I think it's wonderful that the, uh, the dementia community hears and understands the research that is being done for us. There's not enough transparency in the research, so we don't know. But this is wonderful because they explain everything and they gave us a reason to participate in it. And I thank you for that.
1: Thank you, Harry. Uh Pietro, any last comments? Words of wisdom or you rah rah? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, um, I hope that that um you know, anyone who's listening and interested in, in helping us uh, get to a treatment based on this research will participate. Uh, we're going to set a world record. We're going to do more research in one hour than has ever happened before. And, um, and I think if we all work together, uh, like Judy said, shoulder to shoulder, we can crack this nut.
3: It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement.